0: You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. And you can be seated. My name is Drew Humphrey. I have the privilege of serving as the college pastor here at Highland. And it's a special weekend for our college students because many of them have graduated. So can we just uh, congratulate them, those who have graduated? honor them and their families as well. The sacrifice that you guys have made, it's a special weekend to celebrate those things. I also wanna take just a few moments to thank our lead pastor John Durham and Jared Billups as well for the centennial last week, just all the work that they put into that. So let's just thank them as well. Thank you, Jared. And all the teams, uh, Pastor John, thank you guys. I know that it's, I mean, just so many people unseen and seen who are involved in that. They had to do their normal jobs too, and then do all that on top of it. And so it was a special weekend. And, and uh, really some of the things that we'll talk about today, even I think are from that. We'll, we'll reference back to that evening a little bit. One of those uh, things that you should know is, is from Pastor Barry Camp. Uh, he was our lead pastor for many years, and, and his, he gave this quote in his message last week, so it will sound familiar to you. He said, the two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. So that isn't just some nice quote or encouraging idea. This is the way that God ministers. This is the way that God moves in the kingdom through assigning purpose to his people, through calling. And that's what we're really gonna be talking about today is calling. We're starting a new series called the Mountaintop Series. And in this series, we'll just take four weeks, four biblical mountain scenes and what it means for our lives now. And so today we're talking about calling. If you're taking notes, you might want to write that on the top and circle it so that you can remember what we were talking about today. There are some Christians, some pastors who are hesitant to use this calling word or the the language or the phrasing of calling. And I just want to say, I'm not hesitant at all. We're going to talk about it a lot today. And I'm not hesitant because I believe it's obvious in scripture all over the Bible that God calls people into his purposes and on his missions. He's done that in my life uh, on many occasions. And I believe if he wants to do that today and so what you can be sure of is that God is calling his people you and me if you're in Christ he's calling us to ministry it may not be vocational ministry but God is calling you to be a minister on mission for him the question for us today what is yet to be discovered is what God is calling us to And so that might be that God is calling you to a particular vocation. It might be that God is calling you into vocational ministry, but it's much more likely that God wants you to be a missionary or a minister in a different field, maybe business or being a doctor or a nurse, the medical field, or perhaps being a teacher or working in some other way. And so maybe it's a particular vocation God's calling you towards, or maybe he's calling you to the mission field to leave this culture, to leave what's known, to go to an unknown land, to take the gospel. Perhaps... It's much smaller than that. Maybe you'll be in a coffee shop this week and you'll feel that prompting of the Holy Spirit to go pray for someone, a calling to go pray over someone and not just pray for them from afar away, but to approach them and to say, how might I pray for you? Maybe God's calling you to give money to a particular person in need or to a particular cause. God calls people to stay and God also calls people to go. Here's what you can be sure of. God is calling you, that's what he does. So today, our biblical mountain scene is found on ex, is found in Exodus chapter 3. So if you're new to the Bible, that's the second book of the Bible. And it'll be the third chapter, Exodus chapter 3. It's taking place on a mountain called Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is going to be on the screen behind me as well. This is a picture of Mount Sinai. It's at least one of the mountains that they think it could be. Most likely, scholars would say there's about six options. This is the prettiest in my eye. So I chose this one, okay? Uh, actually, in God's timing, tomorrow, a movie comes here to the way Movie theater. It's just like a two-day event, but it's tomorrow. Is, is a movie about discovering the truth about Mount Sinai. It's a documentary, a Christian documentary that's coming to our movie theater. So if you're interested more in Mount Sinai, go to the movies tomorrow night. Uh, in this passage in Exodus chapter three, it's called Mount Horeb, but scholars agree that this is the same mountain. So although it's called a different name, your Bible might even indicate that this is actually Mount Sinai. Scholars agree that it is, and you probably remember that Mount Sinai is a very important mountain. It's where the Ten Commandments are going to fall. They're going to come down at some point down the road, uh, and God's going to give them to Moses. It's, it's a place of much activity of God, well beyond the Ten Commandments, though. As I was doing research this week, I found out that on this mountainside, there are over there are 63 chapters of the Bible, of the Old Testament, that happen on this mountainside. So 63 times in the in the Old Testament, God is moving on this mountainside. That is the equivalent of 14% of the Old Testament narrative. 14% is, is, is happening right here on this mountainside. So, and even 600 years later, there's a, a man by the name of Elijah who's going to be on the run. And God's going to lead him to this mountain. And it's that story, if you remember, where God's not in the wind or in the fire or in the earthquake. God is in that gentle whisper. And so you might remember that for 600 years, over 63 chapters, God's moving at this mountain. And that's why it's actually nicknamed the Mountain of God. And so what a a right mountain that we find ourselves on when we're starting this new series, the Mountaintop Series. Today, we'll be talking about our friend Moses. You probably have heard of Moses if you've been around the Bible some, but you... Most likely know who Moses became, the hero that he was, the leader that he was. In this moment, Exodus chapter three, what we find is that he is a man on the run. He's a man who's caught in deep sin. He was a murderer. He was on the run, and he is just out in the fields trying to get away from everyone. Let's read Exodus chapter three, verse one. And so now Moses was tending the flocks of Jethro, his father in law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him, God called to him from within the bush. And he said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Uh, This, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. As I said before, you can be sure that God is calling us. He's a calling God. And so I start with three points here today. The first point is a question. Who does God call? I'll give you the answer right away. He calls sinners and he calls seekers. He calls sinners and seekers. See, Moses was a murderer. He was hated by his adoptive father, Pharaoh. He was essentially in hiding. He was a complete disappointment to his family, a disappointment to his faith. Maybe that's how you feel about your family, a disappointment. But we can hear clearly from the Bible today that God loves to call people who are off the rails. See, God isn't looking for people who have it all together. He's looking for those who will notice when he calls, who will be faithful, available, teachable. He looks for those who will listen, those who will be curious, and those who are willing to respond. I'll give you five other examples in addition to Moses from the, from the Bible where God is calling people whose lives, are, are they don't make sense. They're not all put together. They're a little bit off the rails. The first one is Abraham. Abraham was called even when he was too old. Perhaps you yourself feel too old. Joseph in the Old Testament, he had a bunch of brothers who hated him. They didn't want anything to do with him. They wanted to sell him into slavery. God called him. As I told you, Moses was a murderer on the run, but he was called. David was an afterthought in his family, left out in the fields. Oh, he, he couldn't be the one that matters, but yet God called him to be king. Disciples, most of them failed out of religious school. They didn't even make it to pass, to graduation. And yet Jesus called them to be his 12 disciples. And then Paul was out there killing Christians, and yet he was called by Jesus. Can I just say that it's highly unlikely that you have disqualified yourself in a way that is somehow worse or bigger than these six examples that I've given you? If you believe that you have done that, that you've disqualified yourself, that that is not biblical. It's a lie from the enemy of your faith, and he's looking to keep you from the purposes and the callings that God has upon your life. See, God has been calling people all throughout the Bible. And here's what he is looking for, though. He's calling the type of people who are listening for his voice, who are curious. That's why I use the word seekers, those who are seeking him. Look back with me to verse 4 in Exodus chapter 3. When I was reading it this week, I've taught this passage before to college students many years ago. But I had not noticed this verse specifically until this week in verse 4. Then the Lord saw that he had gone over to look at this burning bush, and God called to him from within the bush, "Moses, Moses." And the Lord and Moses said, "Here I am." That first phrase, "When the Lord saw that Moses," when the Lord saw that Moses had gone over, God is almost waiting for Moses to notice. God is looking for those who are ready to respond when he draws them in. But I sort of wondered in this scene, verse 4, what if Moses hadn't paid attention? What if he was too distracted by his flock or, or by his thoughts? Maybe he was too lazy or apathetic. He noticed it, but he wasn't, he wasn't really have the boldness or the willingness to walk towards it. Maybe he was too focused on other things or on himself. And I think that many of us here today are looking at burning bushes of God in our life, drawing us into a calling, drawing us into new purposes. But we might be too distracted. We might be too apathetic. We might not be curious enough or, or willing to listen to him. And for me, it's hard not to notice just the sort of arrangement of what's happening here and what I would call almost a power sandwich. And I know we approached noon here, and so you were all feeling a little hungry. I won't talk about sandwiches very long. But if you notice in verses two and three, God is doing something very powerful. You know what he's doing? He's he's lighting a bush on fire, which is amazing, but all a lot of bushes catch on fire. It's that the, the bush doesn't stop, it doesn't burn up, it continues to burn. God's doing an amazing work through his power. And then in verse 4, it's as if God is giving Moses this moment of responsibility, of participation with his own power, with Moses' moment. And then, of course, as Moses stepped towards it, then God grabs that moment again in power. And what happens? He says, this is holy ground. Take off your sandals, for you are with Yahweh now, the God of your fathers. So it's this power moment where, of course, God's sovereignty and bigness and and his ability is all surrounding it, but there's a moment of responsibility in there for Moses. And and God is all-powerful enough to force anyone to do anything he wants to do. He can do that. He does that with Pharaoh just a few chapters down the line here. He could do that. But overwhelmingly, we see in the Bible that the way that God interacts with this world around us is to include us, to allow us to participate not to force us, but to partner with us. And so if you're not sensing that call, ask yourself why that would be. If God is calling all sorts of people, it's certainly not your sin that disqualified you. Maybe it's that you're not seeking him, you're not listening to his voice, you're, you're making excuses. So I just want to pause for 10 or 15 seconds and just focus our attention to the Lord, just privately in prayer. And just pray to him, just, just say to him, Lord, what are you calling me to do? Just take 10 seconds in silence and ask that question. Think that question to the Lord. Ask him in prayer. What are you calling me to do? If your heart is open to God in your life today, would you say amen? Amen. No one is too old. No one is too young. No one is too sinful or too quiet. God calls everyone. The second thing we're going to see here comes from these next set of verses. So let's keep reading. Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I am concerned about their suffering so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up out of the land into the good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivitites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Verse 10, so now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people to the Israelites out of Egypt. The second question that we see is where does God call us to go? Here's your answer. To what is broken. He calls us to go to what is broken. God is telling Moses and he's telling us what he cares about the most. And that's people. More than politics or nations or buildings or ideologies breaking down. What he cares about the most is his people. God hurts when his people hurt. Look back with me one chapter to Exodus chapter 2, the very end of Exodus chapter 2. All of this hurt is happening. The people are being oppressed. They're in slavery. Moses is out murdering an Egyptian. All of this scene is happening in Exodus chapter 2, and we pick it up in verse 23 of Exodus chapter 2. What is the heart of God? Here it is, verse 23. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help, because of their slavery, went up to God. Here's God's heart. God heard their groaning. He remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. So this entire calling in Moses' life, the entire scene on the mountaintop, all of it was because God is concerned about his people. He's grabbing Moses' life for the purposes of reaching out and rescuing his hurting people. And so if you think that God doesn't care about your hurting, if you think that God doesn't care about brokenness in this world, you are wrong. This is a lie that's, that's in us or, or coming from Satan to, to distance us from the true heart of God. And God's heart has always been reaching down to the broken. He's always reaching out to the one who's crying out, to the one who needs help. And, and because it's God's heart, he sends his people. He calls his people to go to other people, to go to different places that are hurting, to people who need rescue To people who are sad, Moses was likely sad. Moses was certainly broken. He was a shell of himself, I'm sure. And God used him to save millions who needed rescue. And I've always really liked these verses because in that truth, I can imagine Moses hearing these words from God. And it's this emotional whiplash of the moment because verses 7 through 9, it's like a pump-up speech from God where he's like, I have seen all of this misery. I have heard their cries. I'm coming down to rescue. I'm going to take them to the place, to the promised land. And you can only imagine Moses hearing this and he is so excited. He's so pumped up. Because I know that he was emotional about this because he murdered an Egyptian who was hurting one of the Israelites. So he's been praying. He's been wrestling. He's been struggling. And now God is saying to him that God's going to fix this. And then instantly in a verse, verse 10, God says, so now go. The emotional whiplash of like, whoa, God, not me though. Like, hallelujah, you're doing it, but not me. But here's the truth. God calls his people to be empowered and guided by him. He did it with Moses. He wants to do it with you and me to help brokenness, to help brokenness in our world and in other people. The New Testament in 1 Corinthians says that God has reconciled us to be messengers of reconciliations for others. Even Jesus was on a mission sent to rescue other people, to rescue us. And so then I ask us today, what is God calling Highland to do? Where is God calling us to go? 100 years ago, it was our lead pastor, Ari Smith, the founding pastor, who gave us three callings. One of them was for missions. The second was for the Holy Spirit-filled worship and preaching. And the third was for racial reconciliation. Later on in the century, we were going to be starting discipleship ministries, and God was calling us to begin things like Sunday school and college ministry. Later on, emphasis and callings would happen related to the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the power that's associated with that. And then it would be global missions as missionaries are being sent out across the world and Antioch would be planted and then that would explode in an even greater sense. And then in the last 10 years, God has called us to begin this wellness center, not just for the nations, but for this neighborhood. And we're months or weeks, whatever it is away from being able to really move in there. But those ministries have been happening. And so, yes, we continue those missions. We continue those callings. But what is God calling us to? Because I believe he is calling us to new things in this new century. What will it be? It won't just be for our building. God doesn't really call buildings to things. He'll certainly call our pastor. But will he call? He will also call us. And so what will he call us to participate in in that? And so we can just say to the Lord together, Lord, don't pass us by. Keep giving us callings. Keep giving us new things all the time, Lord but not just for Highland, what is calling you to do? What is God calling you to do? Perhaps it's a neighbor or a coworker who needs help, someone who's hard to be around, but they need help. Maybe it's into vocational ministry Or maybe it's to the nations to go on the mission field, to use your gifts and your passions and your time and your money to go to the nations. I was on the International Mission Board website this morning, and their homepage says that 59% of the world is considered an unreached people group. 59%. That's 4.7 billion people in the world right now are considered unreached by the gospel. Perhaps God is calling you to go back to school to become a lawyer or a teacher, to be in the medical field or to go into the business world. Is God calling you to age, to to, to care for your aging parents or your grandparents? As I was praying this week, this one just kept coming back to me that perhaps there are people in this room who have sort of felt this draw to help their older loved ones and they've kept it at distance, but God is really asking you to step in there. Foster care. One in four children in foster care in our region, 25% of every one of them, has to go 90 miles away to find a foster home because we don't have enough here. And so that means that every one of those kids, if they're gonna have any time with their biological family or their normal doctors or their therapists that are in their hometown, they have to drive three hours or more round trip, one out of every four children. So maybe God's calling you to become a foster parent here. 12 years ago, I heard a lesson that stuck with me and it's this, it'll be on the screens. Our job is to be faithful to the last calling from God and to be ready for the next one. Our job is to be faithful to the last one and ready for the next one. Today, I'm 32 years old. That means I've got about 11,500 days in my life. We'll just round it off at 11,000. Four of those days, I've received big callings from God. That might be your day today. A lot more days were small callings from God to minister to brokenness in certain places that I may not remember specifically, but I knew God was leading me. He was calling me into those places. So I don't know if it's a big day or a small day, but I promise you, God wants to call you to what is broken. God wants to do that in you. He loves doing that. And so my third and my final point for you is that you can be sure that God is calling you and Satan is sowing doubt in you. Just as sure as God calls, so does Satan discourage and distract you away from whatever that calling is. If God is the one who sees and hears and comes down to fix the broken things in his kingdom, like we read in Exodus chapter 3, then Satan is against that. And Satan hopes to ruin that. You might even call these their supernatural spiritual job descriptions. God rescues, God calls, and Satan loves to derail that. This is what they do. And and Moses had one of these divine tension moments. It's happening a few times in this chapter and in the one to follow. You can see it in the very next verse. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 3 verse 11. Here's one of Moses' excuses. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? The very first excuse is that he was doubting his worthiness. He's saying, I'm a sinner. I'm not able. You know, who am I? I'm just this guy out taking care of my father-in-law's sheep. I can't do it, God. He's doubting his worthiness. The second thing comes in chapter 4, verse 1. You can read it with me. What if, he said, Moses answered, but what if they do not believe me or listen to me? And then he said, and they say, the Lord did not appear to you. So he's doubting his calling, not just his worthiness, but his calling. Perhaps some of us, we believe our calling, but the people around us are saying, Oh, God didn't speak to you. God didn't say that. You've invested so much time and life into this one lane that you're in. Why would you go over here? We start to doubt our calling. And third and finally, in verse 10 of chapter 4, Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the third thing is that he's doubting his giftedness, his skills, his ability Perhaps that's been you as well. But you can know this, that as sure as Satan is discouraging you and giving you doubts like that in your heart, so too does God call you and equip you. God always equips those with what they need to accomplish the callings that he gives. God always equips us with what we need in our ministry tool belt to accomplish the callings that he's given to us. We don't have time to read them, but in just 30 verses, Exodus 3 and Exodus 4, you can go read it yourself later today. You will find at least, I counted 10, 10 examples of God equipping Moses and God giving him things to say or things to believe or things to do to combat the doubts. And so as sure as he's feeling that tension and that doubt, so he is feeling that equipping from God. And see, I think we really need this tension in our life, especially at the beginning of our callings and through the, through the middle of it. We need that tension of the doubts and the discouragement and the equipping and the calling from God. And the reason is because this the best kind of callings are the ones that become compellings. And I know that's not grammatically correct uh, way to say that sentence, but I I really feel it's the best way to communicate it to you today. The best kind of callings are the ones that become and graduate into compellings. We see this in the life of Paul. We're not going to turn there, but in Acts chapter 20, Paul's on one of his missionary journeys, and he's going around and doing his thing. And, And it says in chapter 20, verse 22, Now compelled by the Holy Spirit, that word compelled by the Holy Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. That word compel in Acts 20 is is actually the Greek word deo, which means bound up, tied up. Some of the translations of the Bible in Acts 20 actually use the word bound. I'm bound to the Holy Spirit. We find that Paul in those coming chapters has been warned by the Holy Spirit that if he goes back to Jerusalem, he's actually going to be imprisoned and beaten and suffer And as he's making this long journey back to Jerusalem, it's the equivalent of Los Angeles, California, all the way back to Washington, D.C. He's making this journey, and he's making these little pit stops at all the churches along the way. And you can read it, Acts 20 and on. These churches are telling him, if you do this, you are going to be hurt. You are going to suffer. You're going to be in prison. Don't go back. And he says, no, but I have to go back because I'm bound up into this. It's not just something that I think God's calling me to do. I'm bound. I'm compelled by the Holy Spirit to go, whatever may happen. And all of them were right. He ended up having a a really rough time in Jerusalem but he was bound to that calling And I think about callings becoming compellings. And when I was 17 years old, I had a calling into vocational ministry upon my life, but it wasn't for four more years. I was here at Highland as a 21-year-old. And this was during a very difficult time in our church family's life and in our history. And I remember that the, the difficult time that we were having as a church family was graduating my calling into a compelling. I was being bound up by the Holy Spirit to say, this is something that even in the roughest of days, God, I'm called to it and I walk with you in it. Or when I was 20 years old, I was in Guatemala. I was on a mission trip to Children's New Life Home Home in Guatemala. Our our youth ministry is going there in just next month. And they're going to be there and uh, they're going to be with the same people in the same place, our missionaries that are there. I was there and this orphan said to me, she said, Drew, God told me to tell you. God told me to tell you that you're going to help people like me, orphans, with your life as a 20-year-old, but you know what, it wasn't until I was 28, eight years later, that that calling graduated into a compelling, and I was bound up in that, and I began in foster ministry with my wife, and, and we were able to go through the valley of the shadow of death, and that the Lord brought us through that, that we made it through that stronger because of God's faithful equipping and help throughout. It's almost as if the calling comes at the start and then through the temptations and the doubt of Satan, and through the trials of God that were happening in my life and in Moses' life, and perhaps in your life, those things start to happen when we get this calling, and then it graduates them into a compelling. And we really need that, and so we don't we shouldn't fight against that or buck against that. We should embrace that and say, I need this to graduate. It's only then that we can become all that God is calling us to be. And so, back to this main point here: Satan discourages you, and so so Christian, do not be surprised. This is what he wants to do and what he, he's trying to do. And, and in God's perfect redemption, he's allowing it so that it graduates, graduates us into these compellings. And so we can trust God. We can be bound to that calling and we can watch God work. And so in closing, I just wanna bring us back to Moses' life here in Exodus. Moses was against God's call in his life. He didn't believe in himself, but he eventually agreed. And in the end, what a blessing that was. He went through all sorts of scenes with God, these amazing moments of God moving and parting the Red Sea and doing all these incredible things, and he saw all this cool stuff. But I've got to think one of the best things that ever happened to him started right here in chapter 3, verse 12. Let's keep reading where we left off. Chapter 3, verse 12. God said, I will be with you. This will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. And here it is. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. In the original Hebrew text, the first you is singular and the second you is plural. So if it was in Texan, it would be y'all, okay? He says, you will bring the people out of of Egypt and then y'all will worship on this mountain. And this is what starts to happen in his life. Moses is sitting on Mount Sinai right here. And eventually the Ten Commandments are going to be brought to him on this same mountainside in about 17 chapters. And God's promise will be fulfilled. The singular you of Moses is sitting here. Think about this. This little burning bush fire. Getting this calling from God. And then it's going to graduate into something much bigger. It'll eventually become the plural y'all of the millions of Israelites worshiping God. So let's just hear this story together. Just two verses from Exodus chapter 19. If you want to turn there, you can. Exodus 19 verse 17. Or you can just listen to me as I share this second account. When, he, when the yawl returns to the mountain. Exodus 19 verse 17. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. And the smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently." I've got to think that Moses in that moment was really remembering back to that Exodus chapter three moment. The small little fire of a burning bush that called him out was now becoming this massive mountain of a flame. And he's not just singular by himself there, but he's with the whole people and God has fulfilled his calling. And I've got to think that those words from Exodus chapter three, verse 12, when God said that y'all will return to this mountain, that as Moses was going through all the hardships and all the difficulties in his life, all the the hard things, the discouragements, the things he didn't believe about himself, that he would look back and he would almost just say to himself, get me to that mountain, God, one more step to that mountain. And then to be sitting at that mountain again, after all the plagues and all the Exodus and all the Red Sea and following God's spirit through the wilderness. And then he's sitting at that mountain with millions of Israelites. I mean, wow, what a moment of worship that must have been to see that little fire of a bush become this great fire on a mountain to be alone, and then to be with millions of people. The tears must have been flowing as he thought back over that calling that God had put on his life. It's not hard for me to think back for Highland just seven days ago when Pastor Mark Weibel gave us that challenge and that prophetic word last Sunday night at the centennial celebration when he exclaimed, give me that mountain. I think Moses had that in his heart. Get me to that mountain, God. And I feel that there are some here today who are receiving callings from God. If you'll participate in that, then, then one day you will be like Moses and you'll be seeing that promise of God fulfilled just as he did. And maybe it's to it's the one who's going to take care of their parents. It's, you, you're at your, the y'all part of your mountain, the worship moment of the fulfillment of that calling. Perhaps that's at their funeral. And you're, you're thanking God that you were able to participate in the end of their life and to take care of them and to help them finish well. Or maybe it's when you get called to the mission field and you actually go, that, that you're sitting there and you're seeing church plants and, and disciples of Jesus start to plant other churches and make other disciples of Jesus and then they're planting churches they're making disciples of Jesus and you're thinking wow, we really are here God, you really did it or perhaps if you become a foster parent it's the day that you take that little baby back to their biological family and their family has been able to receive them back in fullness and in wholeness and through the tears you can say Lord, mission accomplished we are, we are, we've done it thank you Lord that you have fulfilled the calling upon my life I mean, surely at the end of Moses' life, he wouldn't have rather just been a murderer on the run who was taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. But that's who Moses would have been if he stayed, if he hadn't walked towards that fire, if he hadn't allowed God to equip him and encourage him through all the doubt and graduate that calling into a compelling that then bound him up into the complete purpose that God had put upon his life. So let's be like Moses today on that mountain of God. See, God calls, but we listen. God equips, and then we go. Let's pray. Yeah, Lord, as we said earlier, our heart is open to you. Whatever you're calling us to do today, whatever you're calling, to do, you're, you're calling certain people to do today, however big or small it may be, Lord, let us Be the ones who step towards it, who listen to your voice, who allow you to equip us and encourage us and launch us out and to send us out to do things that are so much bigger than we could ever imagine for our lives. There are some people in this room who feel like a disappointment to you, a disappointment to their family, who can step into a calling and can find fullness of life and fullness of purpose in Jesus Christ. So Lord, let today be that day, whether it's a big day or a small day, Lord, let it be the day of calling. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us as we close in a song of worship? I'll ask you to stand now. If God is calling you to something, I want to encourage you to step out from your seat and to walk forward. Just as Moses walked towards that burning bush, I encourage you, there's a physical sense of something when you have an internal calling to step out in a physical sense. So it could be that you're just coming to these prayer altars at the front. They're right in front of me, to my right and my left. You could just make your way up here and do some business of sealing that with the Lord. There's also gonna be prayer leaders here. You know, when I when I sensed the call, one of my callings, I walked down the aisle and I went to one of my pastors and I just said, will you pray over me and just help me to kind of seal this and to walk in this? And it was so important for me to do that because it wasn't just something internally, it was something external. Just like Moses needed to participate externally, we need to do that today. And so whatever it is, big or small, we can walk into that calling. God will encourage you and equip you today and your life will be full. Let's worship God. Let's listen to him. Let's go.